Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. New podcast like no one's listening because they're not. It's because it's still new. <laughs> Simon and Lucy's Doctor Who watch along. <laughs> Give me strength. Aha! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Sorry, that was just a noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're all right, packing. Basically, Beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, where we podcast like there's no one listening. Adam, Tom, Tom, and Nick's Partridge Watchathon give me strength. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Every chock you gobble, your bum gets an extra wobble. Nick Alder. Ask for the cake selection, cry at your reflection. And Tom Stab. Eat puddings till you bloat, and then it's fingers down your throat. Uh, no, that is a serious issue. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, on Instagram, it's at monkeytennispod. On Twitter, it's at thepartridgepod, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, thepartridgepod at gmail.com, or the Monkey Tennis hotline is 07923600017. But today, we are mainly looking at the last in the series of this time. Uh, we'll be rounding up your feedback on episode six in a future episode of Monkey Tennis. Um, but yeah, we've come to the end of the road. Uh, and uh, and as we know now, Psychic Simon is forced to step up. I say step up, it's, it's a stumble up. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> At best. 
So before we deep dive into the episode itself, it's time to have a quick roundup of this week in Alan, uh, tidbits in the news, things we've learned about Alan outside of the episode of this time itself. So what do we have? Uh, well, I caught a Susanna Fielding interview on um, O'Leary on Radio 2 on the weekend just gone. Uh, I don't know if did anyone else listen to that at all. No, uh, no. Good. Well, I can give you the positive highlights, so that's fortunate. Uh, I mean, she was she was probably on the show for about fifteen minutes. Uh, pretty generic interview. Not a lot of insight for diehard Partridge fans. Although she did clarify that Jenny, the character, uh, Jenny is separated, but she didn't want her viewers to know because she's trying to maintain a wholesome image. So we've got clarity on that bit of script there. Uh, and it was also quite interesting. She talked about her audition for this time. It was very much based around the opening scene of episode one that obviously we all ah. now know and love. Uh, it was pretty much pretty much a case of doing that scene through was her audition process. Uh, but I would say the thing I enjoyed most about her being on uh, Dermot O'Leary's show was the music selections that they had between her interview segments. They played ABBA, Knowing Me, Knowing You, uh, Shirley Bassey, Goldfinger and The Police, or are they now known Sting, with Roxanne. I thought that was just Very nice. a bit, bit of extra fun for Partridge fans. Basically a Partridge greatest hits there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the week uh, this week in Alan? Don't think so. I think that was it, wasn't it? Okay, let's dive straight into the uh, final episode of the series of this time. Then uh, opens with uh, I would say I found the, the opening of this actually quite shocking because uh, yes. it's so it's so jarring. Even I mean, obviously you know that Jenny and Alan are sort of barely tolerating each other, but but to open with the blowout, I, I wasn't expecting. I thought they would save this to the end. Yeah, it's actually it felt properly dramatic the first time I watched it. I loved it as yeah. well. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, especially as they're, they're sort of openly hostile to each other. It's not like one, it's not like one is berating the other. It's, it, it's, it's sort of a, a fair fight. So before uh, Jenny steps onto the set, uh, Alan is sort of in conversation. We, we, we catch him mid-conversation with, we assume, some kind of runner on the show. Uh, and Alan says that uh, she's been stomping around like Carol Thatcher, which <laughs> is not necessarily an insult to Alan. As we know from Mid-Morning Matters, the That's Thatcher family <laughs> are his dream dinner party guests. So that's not actually a negative on Alan's part. He probably Very loves, true. actually, we do know he loves Carol Thatcher. Yeah, and a, and a weekly lasagna. So perhaps that's some kind of nod to the effort he's tried to go to to get her over for some kind of um, dinner uh, event. Um, it's quite interesting to see how Alan's progressed as well. That at this point, I mean, this entire scene sort of sort of shows it that he's become too comfortable, too complacent. He also expects his word to be taken over Jenny's. He still he sort of mistakenly thinks that, that the crew of the show are more on his side, and we know that's never really been the case. No, and that's classic Alan a bit, really, isn't it? Him assuming that people are on side with him and that very much not being the case. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way that he tries to ignore her direct questions about what he said to Gavin as well. He yeah. actually just won't even acknowledge it with a response. Very sort of pol- politician <laughs> thing to do. I do enjoy the uh, absolute Gavin stitch up as well when the, the, the recording is basically played out. <laughs> yeah, she clearly had that ready to go, didn't she? She, she knew how this might unfold. I also like how Alan, uh, in the sort of when when Jenny's uh, confronting him, Alan says that he went home, jumped in his gym jams, curled up <laughs> on a beanbag, and watched Nazi megastructures. Now, Nazi yeah. megastructures is a real program. Um, I thought it was going to be a oh, joke program. <laughs> I it's thought it was didn't a know that. No, it's Nazi megastructures is a real program. It's a documentary, to, or it was a de- documentary television series, which appeared on the National Ge- Geographic channel and ran for five series. Uh, <laughs> Are there in that America, many megastructures? <laughs> yeah, and in America, it was broadcast under the name Nazi Mega Weapons. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> because presumably no American would ever watch a show about buildings. No. Um, also, uh, interesting to point that that's a callback um, because he did a Q&A for the BBC yeah. that went out just before this time aired. Uh, and he said uh, that he, well, I've got a direct quote here. He said, I'm not an avid watcher of BBC One since I don't like documentaries about supermarkets or period dramas featuring bonnets. I'm more of a Nazi <laughs> megastructures man. So, oh, amazing. Uh, that's, that's born out here as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was also, it was referenced uh, when he was in the Radio Times cover feature. I think there was, yes. you know, they had the editor's letter. Basically which the same sort of thing, wasn't is, it? Yeah. Another excellent bit of real life and the APU combining, because as we know, the thing that he did say to Gavin was that Jenny would suffocate her own grandmother to get on the front of the Radio Times. And of course, he was in real life on the front cover of the Radio <laughs> yeah. Times just before this series began. Um, after uh, the stitch up involving Gavin, uh, where the recording is played, played back, um, Jenny says, I'm a nice person. I loved my grandma. Now, question to the group. Is Jenny a nice person? I had a very similar question to the group here. I would say I had a question to the group that says, when someone self-identifies as a nice person, doesn't it make the likelihood of them being an actual nice person a little bit less? That is 100% what I've written down. Yeah. Um, and just to reference the independence uh, review of this uh, of this episode, um, it says, this is a, uh, talking about this section, this is a captivating moment. Alan's aside is callous, yes, but is he right? Jenny is upset... She says, I'm a nice person. I love my grandmother. Yet there's there's a hint of dissembling here. She doesn't categorically deny Alan's charge as simply being a lie. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. I, I, I definitely say that no one's really in the right here. No, sure. definitely. But she doesn't say, no, you are bang wrong. Yeah, I mean, that that was my thing. It's like, they're, they're, both, they're both shits, but kind of in different ways. Because I think here you're saying... You know, we know Alan is an inept broadcaster and here we're seeing him being quite upfrontly rude. Um, but I would think Jenny quite probably is the ruthless uh, broadcaster that Alan is claiming her to be here as well. And do we think her reaction is somewhat overblown? I mean, obviously, uh, the suggestion is a little bit harsh, but equally storming off live TV. I mean, that's just unprofessional, surely. Well, I think she is she is well within her rights to demand an apology from Alan. And obviously, yep. I think we'll probably get into it in a second. Things, you know, Alan's not the kind of person who's ever going to let anything like this go. So if Jenny, like, steps to him, he's going to try his best to give it back. And we've seen in the past, sometimes he can do that pretty well. Sometimes he fails miserably. So he's always going to step to her. And yeah, by the point it reaches its crescendo, her walking off stage and abandoning the show is very unprofessional and hopefully coming full circle to the end of the episode when she's in with the DG, hopefully she's getting reprimanded as well for abandoning, yeah. a, abandoning a live broadcast. Yeah. Mm. I, th- I think he's been a real bellend because uh, it's the recording also shows it's not just him saying that about her being ambitious he's also saying seen it all before mate it's just tits and teeth so he's clearly in the wrong but there's definitely a tactical element here like I'm not you know, he says it's entrapment. I mean, it isn't. No, <laughs> presumably, you know. Well, it's not a crime. That's the main reason. Yeah, he wasn't prompted to slag her off, and it's his fault. It's been recorded. But yeah. you can imagine that she might have, you know, encouraged Gavin to leave a mic on when when he said it was off or that sort of thing. Um, she's also chosen to confront Alan right before they go on air, uh, presumably mm. to put him under. Yeah, that's pressure. a good point. Yeah. Um, so there is a bit of a kind of tactical element here, I think. Because I did wonder, do you, do you think with her deciding to leave the set? that's almost her decision is along the lines of right i'm gonna let him totally hang himself at this point let let him go and screw up the whole half hour of live tv and and the 
consequences will be disastrous. I, I think that reflects as badly on her, though, as it does on him, to be honest. I think yeah, that's kind I of further to Tom disagree but i'm just saying is it a bit is it a bit of a callous move is it a calculated move or is it an emotional i don't want to be around this guy anymore i think it, it might be, be a bit of both because yeah. we, we have seen we have seen in the well when we've discussed in previous episodes she does come across as a bit of, as a manipulative character when there's a mm. there's a section in i can't remember which episode when she's sort of it's the one it's the pronunciation getting his t's right where she sort of openly sort of look at my mouth and touching him on the chest so there's kind of I think we've the seeds have been sown for her to be considered a potentially manipulative, ambitious uh character, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think her intention here was to basically kind of beat him down right before they present together so that he kind of knows his place and, and we saw a repeat of that kind of intimate look at my mouth thing where she's like oh is it just because I don't fancy you and then she touches him on the chest yeah. but I think I think her walking off was an emotional move because he absolutely goes off the deep end on her uh kind of culminating in him going it's just fucking weird and then he immediately just goes back to assuming everything will be fine picking up his clipboard going mm, so what have we got today and i think her reaction to him kind of switching between slating her and then just assuming she'll stay on the show is the final straw it, it's interesting I think that, sorry Dick, go on go on there you go uh, uh well it's it's interesting as well that this all play this is all kind of being played out in front of and for the benefit of the rest of the crew, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. he's been sagging her off in a production meeting, and then he, when he's saying things like, bat, bat, look at my white teeth, it's fucking weird, he's saying that outwardly addressing the rest of the crew. So it's almost like they're trying to create these divisions and try and get the other people on the show on their sides as well. So it is also, quite vicious at this point. And also remember, Jenny has said, play that tape, and it's played out loud, so everyone on the floor yeah. will have heard it as well. Yeah. So she plays it. She doesn't just play it to him. And the other thing is that um, she, correct me if I'm wrong, but she goes through his bag and finds his Viagra, right? Yep, yep. She knows that he's got Viagra in his bag. And how does she bag. know that? She's she's obviously gone through his bag. Yeah. But did you guys think it was interesting? Alan wasn't phased or embarrassed by the mention of Viagra. It, no. It's, like, it, it's, like, it's the fungal foot powder. Fu- it's the fungal foot powder all over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Point, yeah. Like, okay. you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. I'll just get another prescription for free. All you've got to do is go to your GP and cry. Uh, quick, quick question to the group. Uh, true or false, Viagra is available on the NHS? It is, I think. Uh, I'm sure I don't know. Oh. D- defer, defer to stab. Yep. Stab yeah, I'm going to go with I reckon I read that yes it is <laughs> it is it is available on the NHS I'm told <laughs> I also like that at one point she describes his type as bottle blonde divorcees in, her, in their mid 50s which he does not dispute for a second <laughs> true yeah. but there's also no evidence of this throughout the Alan canon is there there's uh, Jill no. but she's not blonde I think I think that's she is very much from a bottle <laughs> Um, there's also a nice bit where, he, where he, he laughs at her and says, that's the funniest thing I've heard since 1990, which called to, my, called to mind the joke about the best Valentine's Day in yeah. Iron Man and Partridge, where he's like, this yeah. is the best Valentine's Day I've had for eight years. What happened eight years ago? I've just had a better one. <laughs> I think there's also a real kind of chink of insight around her feelings towards him when she's kind of saying, how are you even on this show? Did you win a competition? Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> Absolute smackdown. Um I like the, uh, the the sort of weird turn of phrase when she's like walking off and he thinks she's pretending and she's like, this is how he's holding his fingers together. This is how little I care if you walked off. And then he's like, and this is how big I'd be pleased. <laughs> so weird. I, I, I did just love this opening scene because it's just, it. this all unfolds kind of so quickly because kind of within two seconds, we're straight into them having an argument. And I just, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I kind of, 
I feel like this is a narrative arc that I've been waiting to see. And this this moment of her directly saying something like, how are you even on this show? I'm kind of surprised it's taken six episodes to get to this this severity of a breakdown. But I also quite like the fact it was saved to the end as well. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to it. We'll kind of get as we go through the episode. But this is such a strong start and it's so frantic and it's so intense that... I think having watched this episode a few more times after the initial high of seeing it and seeing the last episode, in retrospect, I do think that the episode as a whole suffers a little bit as a result because you set the stakes so high that it's very difficult for it to ever be topped again. And given the nature of the show, of course, it's a magazine show. They're going to have quote unquote sort of, you know, uh, irreverent content. But having such a strong start means that I don't think it quite regains that momentum that it's built up. But we'll get we'll get through it because I think oh, the next. I'm not. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm what not, you mean. I, I see your point, but I think I'm perhaps of Nick that I. I mean, with the, well, I guess we'll save it to the end. But I mean, for me, I think this episode was pretty much an even keel throughout. I think uh, there don't are get highs me wrong, and lows, I, I but they're more bumps, you know. Yeah, I th- uh, no, I completely agree. There are highs and lows, but I, and I, I, in general, I did like this episode. I just feel like the, so- the the start was so tonally intense and strong that the rest of the the show kind of doesn't quite gel because it just has to go back to that sort of magazines type style show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it benefits because you get the camaraderie of Alan and Simon, but it, it suffers because. Jenny provides all the fireworks and after the first two minutes you don't see her again perhaps an an exciting alternative but a risky one they could have tried is that it was Alan that storms off set and the rest of the episode is him trying to sort of sabotage her (laughs) while she tries to run the show on her own can I just ask a very quick question to the group before we delve further into the deep dive Nick broadly speaking did you like this episode based on the last two weeks of not liking it uh, yeah, I really like this episode. <laughs> okay, what? but for now, that's all I need to know. What? That's fine. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh... <laughs> that, those noises and or this scene as a whole will remind viewers of a certain age of the section in Wayne's World where Wayne and Gar Wayne storms off the show during <laughs> yes. an ad break, oh. leaves Garth to go it alone, right down to the countdown back in, like the noises. That is a very similar noise to Garth panicking uh and yeah it, it really reminded me of that which i, I, also I love. love the way it just cuts mid what as well that was that was brilliant um yeah well, and are there any sh- credits this episode very the, short the yes yeah, yeah, footage right. oh but do you mean the the this time this intro time, sequence yeah well well they're kind of on the screen in the background so you only see a bit of it because the camera shots keep moving around with all the anti-framing yes but i noticed something which I really enjoyed. It's a good little Easter egg. So you see Alan, like, so on the, it's the this time intro sequence has been edited further, but we only see a couple of seconds of it. There's an extra section of Alan where he's dancing with a woman in Afro-Caribbean dress, which we've talked about. There's a little Easter egg that you see, like, between ad break bumpers on Places of My Life and Scissor Dial as well, I think. So that's just like a nice little Gibbons Brothers Easter egg. That footage keeps coming back. We don't know the context. We don't know where it originates from, but it's always there wait is it the same footage that features yeah, exactly it's, it's, him like, it's him like dancing around with a woman like outside oh, a garage or something. well done the yeah. gibbonses and well done for spotting tom thanks a lot that's what i'm here for uh, now alan trying to tackle the auto cue they haven't had time to update <laughs> is another <laughs> highlight 
Hello and welcome to This Time with me, Alan Partridge, and me, It's Fine, I'll Do Both. Uh, and I'll be talking to a sleep expert. Oh, this is a bit I didn't quite get. Said, and I'll be talking to a sleep expert because some of us need our beauty sleep. Hey, Alan. So does this imply that Jenny's meant to be doing the sleep segment? Because if yeah. so... Continuity error because Aaron Alan does it and it's pre recorded. No, 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 no. She's no, implying no, no, he no, needs no. his beauty sleep. So it's oh, yeah. him he that's says, done the research. So he says, he says, and I'll be talking to a sleep expert, and then her line is yeah. because some of us need our beauty sleep. Yes. Okay, that makes yes. sense. But in, in but my first note on this segment was, was uh, struggles with the auto cue are never not funny. It's such a basic gag, but it always works. Yep, lovely. Yep, and uh, Jenny is ill today. She's just come down with a disease, small one. <laughs> I love it when he takes the earpiece out. He just looks, he, he says that's better, and he just looks so pleased with himself. Oh, you know, it's going absolutely downhill from that moment on, don't you? When uh, he takes the earpiece out. Imagine the just, shouting he's getting down his ear from the gallery. Just before the credits roll, he, he says to the to the crew as well, Oh, I'm sorry, everyone. Jennifer's got a brain disease. And, like, you know, he's kind of being a bit uh, weird. Do you think if the producer hadn't cut him off in this, this bit, he would have gone on to describe her disease in the most embarrassing terms possible? Like, yes. He was about to describe yeah. what part of her the disease is affected and like what it's meant and left, left it's like it's like going. when he had to do you remember on um uh mid-morning matters where he had to improvise the story about the horse yeah and just that yeah. rambling story that went absolutely uh, yeah. nowhere yeah. i feel like he would just start talking himself in circles and it wouldn't make any sense or maybe he'd even go back into the insults he'd already <laughs> used and start calling her lady diana with brown hair again and stuff like that also yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, this next section is quite Wogan-esque, right down to uh, he does sort of little ahas uh, between between the words, like like Terry Wogan used to, uh, as he's introducing uh, the next guest or the guest that's Tommy, coming up, Tommy Chaucer. Yes, who uh, looks after himself, very neat. Well, you'll see. I mean, he knows what he can't say, doesn't he, Alan? But he's yeah. uh, he's still not quite sure what he should say. No. Just before this, it's a little bit weird because he he goes, uh, "You're a woman. You want to look knockout." without looking, you know, easy. He's lost his train of thought a bit and is rambling. He's clearly rambling. So is that not on the auto cue? Is he just ignoring the auto cue? Is he not reading the... I don't understand that bit. Uh, well, I also made, well, I made a note towards the end, well, before the fashion item starts, because you have a point where he goes catwalk. So he clearly hasn't read ahead in the show script or running order, which obviously, well, as we know, is a classic Alan trope that he doesn't do the research. He doesn't do the preparation. So. I think it's just that he hasn't read any of Jenny's bits, has he? Yeah. So and now he's oh, so that would be Jenny that saying he, that bit. And yeah. yeah. But then, right, but then right, I think right, he right. also that makes sense. He, I don't think he's done any prep in terms of even if it's not him leading the, the segment, he should still know that there's a catwalk section coming up as the first item on the show. And he has no idea that that's what's about to happen. Uh, so he realises that he's going to have to host the fashion segment and he's desperate for help. Uh, so he drags Simon in, uh, claiming that he's qualified because he's got a great shirt with pedigree dogs on it. But it turns out that Alan bought the shirt. Um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I thought, I thought that's quite strange in and of itself that Alan has bought Simon a gift. Or do we think it's just something that he bought Simon so he looked smarter when he was trying to convince this t- uh, the BBC to let Simon on the show? I don't know about smarter because a, a, a shirt with pedigree dogs all over it sounds exactly like the sort of shirt you'd see Simon wearing in Mid-Morning Matters. Maybe it's a freebie that Alan got a sent and he just gave it to Simon. That's probably more likely. I also have a note here that says Nick would wear... Oh, 100%. 100% I would wear that. <laughs> I'm, picturing, I'm picturing sausage dogs, maybe. Yes. Lots of yeah, those yeah. in a pastel. A, a, a sausage, a Russell, a beagle. 
Uh, I'm not sure if they're pedigree, but that's what I'd be going for. The big three. Certainly chums. The big three. <laughs> yeah. and maybe, just a ma- maybe just a massive Alsatian on the back smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Simon and Alan, desperate to understand the world of fashion better, uh, are trying to get Lucy and Lynn to text them fashion terms that they can use. Oh, uh, can anyone remember how Alan knows that Lynn is not qualified to give this advice? <laughs> Yes. One of my favourite lines. This is one of my, my favourite lines from the show. Lynn wears a coat. <laughs> Lynn wears a coat that was advertised under the word "strong coat for sale." I love that <laughs> line so much. That is brilliant. Also, I I I, I love the panic here because Alan's uh, in Alan's search here. He's saying we need some fashion words as well. It's just like just generic. Send me fashion words. The panic in this section is absolutely glorious. As he says yeah, to mean, Simon, the stakes could not be higher. Yeah, if I go down, you go down with me. (laughs) Without a moment's hesitation, he's prepared to take Simon straight down with him. And that's worth bearing bearing in mind for the very end of the show when it turns out that, yes, failure would affect them both, but success is very much team partridge. Very good, very good, very good point. Um, Also, I think this is kind of, I think Simon says this over some other dialogue, but under some other dialogue, but I think you do hear him say, yes, but I haven't done any prep. So, you know, Simon knows what his limitations are. Not being prepared would never stop Alan in this situation. Well, no, it clearly hasn't. Yeah. And Alan, <laughs> Alan doesn't see prep as anything that needs to be done no. anyway, most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I also enjoy the bit where they sit down on the sofa together and Alan just says, look at me. May God be with you. <laughs> Simon looks at him and goes, and also with you. <laughs> and they're in, they're straight in. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's great that Alan assumes that exuberance and campness are the only way to get through a fashion segment mm. alive. So he opens with, so with many O's like that. And he's like, Tommy. And then just like cuts to Tommy. Um, it's nice to see Camp Alan coming out once in a while, isn't it? I love Camp Alan. I think he seems very at home is Camp Alan, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, more but and then, more so as the segment goes on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. there's a bit of a switch halfway through where there's a, there's a real gear change in the campness and it really kind of ratchets it up a, a kind of notch. But yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say earlier about um, Stab saying about this kind of uh, the first scene never really gets beaten. I like the kind of broader narrative stuff, but equally the more throwaway disposable comedy of this scene for me is equally as strong. I think mm. this whole scene is brilliant. Yeah. Agreed. And I think at the start of this segment, it's maybe not. I think Camp Allen definitely ramps up as this segment continues. I think at this beginning, with the like so several O's, excited to be here, that's just Allen kind of turning on the almost like daytime TV charm and tr- like trying to get on the same same vibe as Tommy, as it were. But I think he gradually by he, he grows into it and gets gets camper as it goes along. Can I uh, compare and contrast uh, some of the terms that Tommy uses to describe the first skirt versus <laughs> the terms that Alan and Simon use? Please do. Tommy says, uh, summertime, good times, airy and light. Alan says, it's a happy skirt. It's very elated. It's over the moon, chuffed to bits, can't wipe the smile of its face, billowy what, like a windsock or like a tent, a big wedding marquee that's not been moored properly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point... Um, you know, Adam, you've mentioned in the past that sometimes you do sort of like a little mini prediction as the episode progresses. At this point, my prediction here was that Simon was going to maybe not start out particularly strong, but by the end of the episode was going to be absolutely nailing it and turned out to be an absolute natural on TV and put Alan to shame. I think that would have worked quite well. I mean, there are ele- there are little bits where he does a sort of link to a VT that are actually quite good. There are bits where he actually does a pretty good job. But are there? He- Oh, yeah, yeah. I like the bit where he's just like, we sent Alan for a little bit of pillow talk. 
like that and does a little wink to the camera. I think uh, it's actually yeah, quite good. I, I guess there are, like those weird bits where suddenly for, for 10 seconds he's like a broadcasting natural, but then everything yeah. else is a disaster. Well, the, the, mostly he fucks up when he starts reading, but once yeah, he actually gets going, he's not actually too bad. I feel like uh, Tommy is is an absolute pro in this scene, managing to somehow agree with their abs- their nonsense <laughs> yeah, while still yeah. making the segment seem like it was going all right. Um, a, a great dad joke, a dad level joke that I think only works because of Coogan's delivery when uh, when Tommy says, "Wow, Kirsty owns it," and then Alan's like, "Well, thank you for bringing it in, Kirsty." <laughs> but that's is that a dad joke or genuinely him just misunderstanding? I think it's that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Just hasn't got a clue. That's true. That's true. <laughs> did you uh, Did you notice skirt? when um, Tommy's talking about Kirsty, talking about the way she holds herself? He then gets Simon starts doing this like weird mime, which is almost miming boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Simon seems to get a text from Lucy and then reads it and then says, "Oh, it's got a beautiful silhouette." Yeah, yeah. Which is, I would say, that's good fashion words. Yes, Lynn's fashion words, not so good. Lynn's fashion words, comfortable, modest, good for Sunday best. To which Alan says, "Useless." (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, And actually, for Lynn, she's been quite uh, quick on the old T nine predictive text there as well. You know, she normally struggles. She spelt all those words correctly. Well, typed them all correctly. Is it uh, uh, is it time for skirt number two? Julia, Julia. Have, I think I think we should cover off possibly Alan's most uh, tactless of uh, comments. The two poppers comments. Yeah, the two poppers comments, which Tommy obviously tees up because you know women are of no. different sizes. You might want to cover up different um, you know shapes. But oh no 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 no! Alan sees this as a, as a perfect opportunity to identify that uh, when a woman enters the menstrual stage uh, of her feminine cycle, she will swell around the tummy like completely unprompted, immediately off the bat. Happy to throw that out there and completely inappropriate. And is it paired with some kind of um, meaningful look to the camera as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yes, so the second skirt, like a stripy bell with her legs as the hammer. Feel the fabric, Simon, then talk about it. I think this is where Alan yeah, like, so slips good. In. This is where the gear change comes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was really cringing when he sent Simon to go and touch the skirt. I was quite worried about what was going to happen, but uh, fortunately it <laughs> didn't turn out that bad, all things considered. Although, although his comment is just simply... Decent. Decent. Yeah. <laughs> Followed by Alan saying, sometimes Simon and I can be outrageous. <laughs> Look at another woman in a skirt. I think, is, it, is it with Julia as well when the Camp Alan starts ramping up? Because is it, I think when she comes out, he says, now this I love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very curvy stripes, like she's been squeezed out of a tube of Colgate lady paste. That's, that's <laughs> did, Louisa. I, Let's look at I, another woman in a skirt. I did check uh, Colgate Lady Pace is not available on the market, just, uh, just in case anyone was wondering. But did it remind anybody else of Lady Shapes Through the Ages? Yes, very much so. Um, and he also says uh, about the skirt, it says, I like to be in the office, but sometimes I like to sit on a park bench eating Rivita in Philadelphia feeling sad, but I'm happy. And sometimes I like to leap in the air and say, whoa, body form, which basically <laughs> tells us all Alan knows about fashion is seeing women in adverts, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, basically. Tommy. That. Tommy, join me at the lady. (laughs) Brilliant. He's basically mimicking Tommy now as well, isn't he? Because Tommy's like, excuse me, darling. And then Alan's like, yes, thank you, darling. Thanks, sweetheart. That was sensational. And then when you get the bit when Simon uh, joins in and says head, shoulders, knees and toes, I love the way Alan just goes, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sounds a bit like uh, Alan Rickman playing Hans Gruber or something like that. No. No. Uh, Simon clearly thinks that the sort of contributions he makes on Mid Morning Matters are exactly... (laughs) 
exactly the right ones to make uh, <laughs> you're right there next as well yeah <laughs> so, just a slight allergic reaction to uh, the way that alan's talking about ladies just uh, not very comfortable with it uh so then they go uh, back and forth talking about uh various little rhymes they have for eating too much uh such as eat a little snack whoops fat back uh, i thought that was interesting not only is it a callback to the fat back that we know alan has but also alan's tried to pass this off as a medical condition before hasn't he and now we're very much <laughs> not learning really but i mean standing further that, that it is not to do with any sort of uh, hereditary uh, medical problem it's just a fat back isn't it <laughs> yeah too many we've been clear on that from the beginning though yeah um, <laughs> and uh, Alamis says to Tommy Tommy thank goodness that's all we've got time for but Love that. he delivers it delivers it in such a slick way I almost didn't notice that first time I thought he was just wrapping up the segment normally well it's, it's done in that cheery daytime style isn't it you don't realise he's actually basically saying thank fuck that's over yeah <laughs> Um, uh, but before we leave Tommy just uh, one final um, word from him where he says um, I always say to my girls dance like no one's watching which Alan also kind of chimes in by saying I try to dance like no one's watching Uh, (laughs) yep Simon adding you broadcast like no one's watching and then uh, Alan hitting back and you podcast like no one's listening Uh, uh oh Simon yeah, to which Simon says, it's because it's still new. Alan follows, Simon and Lucy's Doctor Who watch along, give me strength. Now, I mean, it would be arrogant of us to assume that this was anything to do with us. But uh, we would like to confirm, it seems an opportune time to thank all our listeners uh, for racking up a million listens in 178 countries, if only to distance us from Simon and Lucy's Doctor Who watch along. <laughs> yes, we shouldn't get tagged with the same brush as that. Uh, just following on from that, Alan says uh, to, about Doctor Who, I hate it and I hate Star Wars and I hate people who like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what's your reading on that? Because uh, to me, that re- that I feel like either Coogan or the Gibbons brothers, they in the in real life, they genuinely dislike Star Wars. So they would like, that's a bit of a fun thing for us to just put in the script. I think there's yes. no there's no reason why Alan would care or have such a strongly held view. I think also it's important that Alan lumps Doctor Who, podcasts, and Star Wars in together as just generic sci-fi nerdism. Yeah, like it's all the same thing to him. Um, Also, quite an interesting reveal that Simon and Lucy's relationship has uh, extended to the point that they've launched a podcast together. Um, I feel like if they'd recorded a few real episodes of that, that could have added a nice dimension to to the show. Oh, that'd be nice and meta. That'd be great. Yeah. Get Tim Key and uh, whoever plays Lucy, I can't remember off the top of my head, to uh, record an episode or two. Maybe have Alan in the background uh, annoying Simon or calling him about something unrelated. That would have been a nice little uh, addition. Come on, BBC. Pull your fingers out. So Simon is now tasked with introducing a segment, which I think we can I all agree. I love this. So much. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now it's the, jo- the job of our bloys in blue. Uh, blup, blup, blup. <laughs> Do it again. We're live. <laughs> what I like is that so when, he, when he offered to restart it, there were only five <laughs> words left in the sentence as well. He would have got away with it if he just ploughed on. I think these are personally might may well be my favourite bits of this episode is when Simon's struggling with the auto cue because his face and you know we've I think we've said on every episode of this this series there's so much incredible detail going on with the facial acting from everyone whether it's Susanna Fielding, Steve Coogan, Tim Key but I mean Simon in this episode I mean, he he's the MVP of this episode right he's the absolute man of the match as far as I'm concerned and every yeah. little nuance of the panic on his face struggling to get the right words out and just doing things like bloop bloop and just looking confused absolutely love it 
Uh, it's also his uh, mouthing along to Alan's yep. uh, lines on the auto cue throughout the episode. Very good. So Alan's talking about his recent arrest, uh, saying that the, the gutter press had a field day. Yeah. Now, at this point, I expected a montage of front pages. But <laughs> as we know, it's, it's one very small article in a local paper calling him a former local radio DJ. And also, if you pause it and look carefully, it's below an article about two birds caught in a trap and yeah. a venture from a green energy company and a Shall gluten-free bread maker. I have, the, I have the news report here, if you'd like me to read it. It's not very long, which I think is exactly the point. It's on page seven. TV host detained. TV presenter Alan Partridge was arrested on Wednesday night. The former local radio DJ was stopped on the A6 and taken to Erlen Police Station. He was later released without charge. So I would say the gutter press having a field day is ever slightly an exaggeration. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not taken any sort of day, let alone a field day, to write 20 no, words I mean, about him. Obviously, that is a joke. It's just very bland and factual reporting. There's no sensationalism. They don't care. Although I learned, I learned something from this. It seems that he has jacked in uh, the, uh, his, his radio show because it does describe him as a former uh, radio DJ and a, and a TV presenter. So we, we speculated Ooh. that he was hanging on to both jobs, but it sounds like he's ditched the radio job for this. That's TV. interesting. Yeah, that, 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 that's an interesting narrative conceit for the APU then. So as he's probably thought he's more bedded into this time, he's sacked off North Norfolk Digital, which yeah, he probably which shouldn't makes- have done. Well, yeah, which makes the end of this episode perhaps a little more pivotal. Um, so back to this feature, he says, but what's the truth behind the headlines? To which I thought, there's only that. one headline. And it's exactly what's the there, yeah. <laughs> released without charge. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, I think the best way to describe Simon's behaviour when he's not talking is that he's forgotten he's on camera. He's scratching his beard, <laughs> yes. he's reading Alan's lines, mouthing the words, like, <laughs> looking off into the distance... <laughs> distracted by crew absolutely <laughs> terrible um so there's something that people have talked a lot about on twitter that we should get into uh, alan says that when he was detained by the law he was off to have fish and chips with a ukrainian woman he's helping get back on her feet is this sonia it's got to be surely that's the assumption right it's too she mu- was she was ukrainian right yeah yeah too much of yeah, a coincidence okay. for it not to be or to be at least a little nod to to that to get people yeah talking. And I, th- I think that's the thing i think for the, for the gibbons and coogan writing this that's a bit of fun for them to put it in there for people to speculate. So, yeah, it might not be, but also it very much could be, and there's no way we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll know. So, so why not? Let, so we should just spend ten minutes debating it, right? I think exactly so. that. Exactly. That's right. So, for. Nick, what do you think? Uh, don't know. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I think I, I think it I think it probably is her because lest we forget. Uh, Alan's route to uh, Ukrainian women falling on hard times. Pete Gabatas is no longer around to fix these kind of liaisons up. So it's got to be someone that Alan already knew, I would imagine. So yeah, Sonia is likely. Do we know if Sonia has any kind of fixation with fish and chips? It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, she must do. I mean, it's in the realm of like, you know, English tourism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To bears L- and London love London taxis buses. and big beefy to bears. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not sure I've ever seen a reconstruction actor and the person they're playing in shot together before. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it gloriously a, it's weird. A bit, it's, it, I was going to say, it's, it, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Like, the, the actor is a bit strange, and obviously half the joke is it looks absolutely nothing like Alan. Um, but just the whole reconstruction itself and the need for an actor to portray it, obviously there for dramatic and comedy effect, but at the same time, a little bit odd. Also, uh, considering that they have most of the footage of what actually happened from dashcam yeah. footage and yes, CCTV in the station, they don't need to film anything <laughs> of a reconstruction. 
<laughs> yep, he's he's literally only done that so he can alter the narrative, hasn't he? Like them pushing him into the police car. That probably never <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and get somebody who's arguably a handsome chap to play him as well. Yeah. And when he gets out of the car for the first time, when the police officer kind of like knocks on the window, he kind of like yeah, sort of you know shoulders up, kind of looks big and like, what's all this about then? <laughs> um, Alan claims that he's always had a lot of respect for the law. He says, heck, I'll flag them down if I see a caravan in a lay-by or an unlicensed burger van in a lay-by. <laughs> uh, two very specific examples suggesting that, A, he's done both of those things for real. Yep. B, they were both done in the same lay-by. <laughs> C, the lay-by is probably near his house, Denton Abbey. And D, he's had to go and do some research to check that the burger van's license was not valid. <laughs> I think it's all of yep. those things. Yeah, yeah definitely. Can I can I just quickly add to the stuff at the beginning of this scene? I did uh, like seeing Alan walking along a busy road. I felt was quite reminiscent of that uh, infamous scene in I'm Alan Partridge series one. And I also mm-hmm. enjoyed as well that he opens this segment saying it's one of the most difficult pieces of television he's ever had to make. Brilliant. It's ridiculous. Uh- Followed by saying that the hunter, me, had become the hunted, <laughs> me. Um, and another nice detail I noticed from the dash cam footage is that um, when he stopped, he's uh, left his wipers on. He's that confident that he's going to be driving away yep. minutes later, but uh, he hasn't even bothered to turn, turn his engine off. Um, oh, I also like that he uh, squares up to the police officer saying, you probably plant drugs on black boys. I take that back. <laughs> yes. And also, because he's dancing, I thought it reminded me a bit of him doing the Cockney Walk in I'm Alan Partridge series too. It's like when he's under pressure with other people that are a bit masculine, he tries to deal with it by just doing some kind of weird nervous dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although he does seem to have gained a lot of confidence since the uh, traffic cone theft days of yore. Yes. Uh, not... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he sort of does and he doesn't like reconstruction Alan, very confident around the law, real Alan, 50-50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, crucially, he does go on to say that uh, by now, though, my reputation was being, like the cod I wanted to be chewing, battered. And then I believe they take him down to the station. Yeah, he won't He won't be cowed. Yeah, and I would say this is one of the sections sort of in Alan history where he is quite witty. He's quite sort of sharp with his turn of phrase mm. I feel um, yeah he, it, 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 it's a shame he has to dumb it down later for the benefit of uh, <laughs> thick police officers we do uh, have occasions he has of this done happening. that before yeah he's done that before though um, at the Norfolk Bravery Awards where he increases uh, the number of policemen who are brave versus the number of firemen so he has uh, had form on this before yeah uh, he says I'd rather be Vin Diesel than vindictive quite a good line I think <laughs> yeah. yeah solid <laughs> <laughs> And they got it because they knew what a diesel van was. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, um, so that's, I like, that's I like the second when... line, isn't it? You've got the general demeanour of a diesel van. <laughs> yeah. I like that when he, sa- he says it to the police officers, it's quite good. I'd rather be Vin Diesel than Vindictive. But then his explanation of the joke in the voiceover turns a good joke bad. He goes, I said I may be Vin Diesel, but you are Vindictive, which is far worse <laughs> delivery yeah. than in real life. <laughs> It also um, paves way for my favourite line in the whole episode, which is... Come at, come <laughs> I, like, I think I know what this is going to be, yeah. <laughs> and don't be surprised if I mount you. I, I will be using that um, uh, over the course of my lifetime, I'm sure. I hope that makes it into um, uh, partridge uh, parlance. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Hopefully not oh, to win what. Uh, no, just to you lot when you're bloody bothering me on WhatsApp. Or ju- uh, just to police officers. Yeah. 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 Can, can I shock you? I did, I did, all the people on Twitter that have been sassing me off in the last week. Uh, Let's get that hashtag again. Save it. 
Um, I actually didn't think that was the line you were going to mention. I thought you were talking about the one that comes moments later where he says, let's call it what it is, a grown man doing a slash into, and I'm sorry if there are any teenage yeah. girls watching, a plastic piddle pot. Yeah, that was a bit I loved. Plastic piddle pot. Uh, that, uh, that coupled with the uh, the video clip of the, the urine being, uh, the urine sample being <laughs> taken, which uh, you know what's going to happen, but it's still funny. Like there's a, there's a pause for comedic effect and then another blast of piss. <laughs> yeah, it did. Look, it looked like a genuine slash, didn't it? Also, I, I want, I, I, I think from the measurements on that cup that that is the same cup you see in the Night Terrors sweat uh, situation <laughs> later. On. So that's that, that cup has been through the ringer as far as Alan's bodily fluids go. I really enjoyed the the very literal visuals in this segment as well. So you have him talking about um, the woman saying you're the best driver ever, and then you literally get the the visual the visual of a, a woman's mouth oh, saying yeah, best with, driver with on her teeth. and uh, Nigel Mansell and stuff like that. And but I I don't know if anyone else get this. It reminded me of there's a section on the day today when they're talking about a politician oh. or something, and then you've got the bit where you go, uh, where it's literally they have. A piece piece of vision for like every word. So you have the thing where they say click ting stamps. So you have a click and then a ting and then a stamp. Oh, brilliant! Does uh, anyone and remember that? Also, okay. Yeah, I do. No. I do. There's, there's also a bit in the day today where he reads a news report <laughs> about Nigel horrified. Mansell. I'm having a rest. <laughs> He's he's knackered. Shattered. There's also a a bit in the day-to-day where he reads a news report about Nigel Mansell giving up Formula One because uh, it's too dangerous and he gets the same effect from just sitting in a wind tunnel. I did think those... I thought those two um, little sort of cutaway clips were a bit random, to be honest. Like, the smeared... I mean, obviously, I know this is half the joke, but the smeared lipstick on the tooth, the fact that that man looked... Uh, presumably more like Barry Chuckle than Nigel <laughs> Mansell, <laughs> but yeah, right, I, I thought bit just a bit random, not hugely funny, and I wasn't really sure what purpose they served, but I thought it was a bit but, odd. Well, it's the joke about just pear tree productions being shit, isn't it? So it's kind of like GCSE media studies. Here's how you illustrate your point in a VT. Yeah, I mean that's where we've you know covered it many times, but it's supposed yeah. to be the BBC, but then that wouldn't work. They've taken some creative license. It's not worth uh, drilling into. Um, but yeah, but we bit, already have. Bit, bit, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my understanding of it is 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 that they the conceit here is that basically the BBC wouldn't normally let it fly, but under the circumstances of a five night a week show, uh, the original presenter having died, they they're basically taking their eye off the ball a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's the conceit for all the VTs that Alan's led, isn't it? Um, shall we talk about Alan's interrogation specifically his SAS anti-interrogation technique 7 Wendell Road yep my name is Alan Partridge I live at 7 Wendell Road uh, I've checked there's no Wendell Road in Norwich sadly um, there, well, oh there's there's no Wendell Road in well that I could find at all actually no same I could find a Wendell Drive in Peacehaven a Wendell Close in Wisbeck a Wendell <laughs> Lane in uh, the USA and a Wendell Avenue in the USA and that was it I, 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 am, I yeah. am. I am confirming that. I also did that. That research and conf- I found the exact same ones that Tom did. did so you I wonder Google if they it? just Google yeah, it. Google it. I wonder if they just got lucky with that, or if they deliberately chose a road name that didn't exist. Oh, I think I've got lucky. I I think they've done it deliberately because I think if they picked someone's real address and it went out on BBC One as yeah, Alan's house, I think it's that they are, are that that person is going to get grief. Yeah. People, well, people will start making partridge milgrimages to it. A pa- I can't a pa- say that. No, a partridge milgrimage. That. I have a very large question to the group, though. Large Does question. Does this mean in the APU 
he doesn't... Well, APU doesn't matter. Okay, <laughs> does this mean he doesn't actually live at Denton Abbey? Is Denton Abbey purely used for uh, television VT segments? Uh, yeah, that can happen. My parents, my parents' house has a name, like my par- and, a, and, a, and a street address and house number. But my parents' house is called Glenariff for no apparent reason. Like it was that I mean, when I, they I, I know, I know that can happen, but I just, I just like that there is, but there is a potential gag here that Denton Abbey is basically a home for hire when he knows there's going to be a TV crew. Also, and actually, he lives at a smaller terraced house or something like that. I also think that Alan would not be satisfied with just living at a place with an address like that. So he's just gone. I'm exactly. Gonna, the Cinnamons. Yeah. So he, he lives wants in classic, that ha- He wants classic house. He wants ye house. Yeah. He wants. But he can just Denton call Abbey, any. Yeah. He can call any house that. So I reckon he lives at Denton Abbey. But he's just. It wasn't Denton Abbey when he got there. He just named it that. Obviously. Yeah. It was Seven Wendale Road when he moved in, and he's he's glamorised it. The cinnamons. Um, so, just a lovely uh, ingredient. <laughs> he's questioned for three hours, no doubt elongated massively because of his lack of cooperation. Uh, either that or the interview section lasted a few minutes and then he was waiting for the urine sample results for another two and a half hours. But uh, it falls apart quite quickly, his uh, anti-interrogation technique. Pretty soon he's hunched <laughs> over saying, my name is Alan Wendale, I live at <laughs> yeah. Partridge Road. I'm basically broken. Also, I thought that for the first time I watched it, I thought that was the technique where you start mixing it up and playing around with the words. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised on second viewing, no, he's just exhausted. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was fi- eventually released, not because he was not because of any cooperation, but because the urine sample were cleared. So it seems the actual narrative of what's happened here is he was stopped for genuinely reckless driving, uh, but they couldn't prove he was drunk, so they had to let him go. That's basically what's happened, isn't it? Yes. And yeah. the release tasted to him as sweet as sherry. <laughs> um, I, only noticed at, I only noticed at this point, when, when uh, his doppelganger is back in the same shot as him, how much taller the fake Alan is compared to the real Alan. Oh, I mean, like well... A good foot yeah, and a half taller. It's nowhere near, uh, nowhere near to a, a, a good lookalike. Um, Slightly different body as well. <laughs> uh, slightly. Well, I, I think it probably is time to talk about the homoerotic closing moment of this segment. Yeah, um, just go, just lingers that moment too long. But I, I mean, for me, it kind of went through three stages. Of you go, oh, that's a bit awkward, and a bit homoerotic. Okay, lol, they're holding it a bit, and then third stage, oh, okay, they're still holding it. <laughs> and I was also waiting for maybe Alan to start kind of like looking him up and down or something weird like that, but that that didn't actually happen. But I like the way he teased it up by saying, you know, something I like what I see, and then just goes to look at a naked man for about ten seconds. <laughs> Um, there's a nice bit as well a nice bit of sort of Alan yes Coogan no where he claims that the police are more than capable of investigating themselves um, yeah enjoyed that delivered with a bit of inherent sarcasm I like this scene a lot because it's basically reaffirming Alan's inability to see himself as he really is right down to him hiring his supposed double and viewing him being stopped for dangerous driving as a gross injustice that warrants £3,000 compensation and an apology or £3,500 and no apology Um, yeah I, I really liked it I mean, and I guess in the in the APU take of it, there is kind of no purpose of this VT because it doesn't really have a conclusion. It's just a way for him to kind of hold a grudge against Norwich Constabulary. Doesn't really yeah. serve any other purpose, does it? Like most of the VTs, surely. I mean, none oh. of them have many a point. No, I know. I'm <laughs> I'm aware of that, but you know, I think sometimes, like with the I don't know the vegetarianism one, he's been on some kind of journey where he's decided it's not for him, or the um, or the the one about the school punishment one, he makes it some kind of tuition video. You know, there is sometimes a bit of a conclusive a conclusive point, and there really yeah. isn't for this. Apart from he's clearly not the kind of person the police should be stopping. 
This is more like the phone-ins in Mid-Morning Matters where basically he's been aggrieved by something and so he turns it into content for his show. Hmm. So now it's time to talk about if oil is black gold, surely water should be see-through gold. That's right, it's Mohamed Faisal of the Southern Nigerian Water Company. What did everybody think of this bit? Weak. Among, among the weakest of this episode, but I think it was up against some stiff competition. I think, for me, I think the interview bit, you can kind of see where it's going, wah, but wah. it was still done very well that it was enjoyable, particularly the way it wraps up. But I think it's worth it just for the way it starts with, yeah. with like all the auto cue gags. Um, the fact you have, you've got Simon teeing up the segment, but he sat far too close to Alan. If, and if you, if you watch his back, it's the way Alan's kind of turned his body. It looks like Simon's almost sat a bit behind him. Just little awkward moments like that that really make, make it wor- worthy, I think. Uh, Simon's also got no sense of tone. He's uh, yeah. talking about corruption and bribery like it's the kind of fluffy segment at the end of the news. Yes. Uh, he sort of can't, it's almost like he can't hide his delight at getting to the end of his bit. Um, That's it. He kind of goes up because he's like, he's done. But it's inappropriately cheerful. Yeah. And you've got the excellent bit where uh, Alan gets up to go, uh, it's Chairman Mohammed Faisal joins us. No, to Simon. Yes. Because Simon gets up to join him. That's brilliant. Um, oh, also, uh, when Alan says Abuja and then Simon just goes, Abuja. Uh, I counted 19 steps on Alan's journey over to uh, Mr. Faisal for the interview. Confirmed. Confirming 19. Yep. Um, I'll just jog the last bit. (laughs) Uh, Some really nice gags with the format here as Alan's outwitted by the interpreter. Um, Lots of jokes like this in the series, I guess, using editing and time delays and the kind of mechanics of live TV to, to make jokes rather than it just all being based around what Alan says, which is really nice. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like, you, you can see where this is go- going. Obviously, there, there's going to be a joke around they're not translating things properly, but I still think they, they carried it off really well. Uh, and somebody's done a bit of uh, interpreting uh, on behalf of Alan fans everywhere, haven't they? Yep, and thanks to James Harland on Twitter who uh, sent us a link to uh, someone on Reddit um, who says, uh, was just watching the latest episode and realised I recognised the language. My girlfriend is Nigerian and speaks Yoruba. So I sent her the clip to translate and this is what she said Alan says. First he translates the question and then says, I'm just going to keep speaking while you think. Don't worry, this Alan Partridge man is a complete idiot. (laughs) (laughs) fantastic it's kind of along the lines of what i would what i would have expected him to say yeah yeah um of course this scene is 99 percent about the payoff uh he accuses them of using flannel and waffle uh to try and avoid answering the (laughs) hard-hitting questions i thought alan actually is is approaching being quite a good investigative journalist here when he's like i didn't ask you i asked him like that yeah, um, and, and when he says, when I ask a question, I want and I'm entitled to a straight yeah. answer. And then, and then he kind of sits back looking all pleased of himself that he's kind of being like hard, asking hardline questions. Did you lie just, or are you incompetent? That's it, it. It's such a like out of, um, what's the word? Like th- this scene is, is one of the most hard hitting scenes of the whole series. Like it's genuinely quite a serious subject to be covering like a water crisis in, in Africa, but it's probably one of the few moments across the whole series where it's actually been in any way kind of serious or of any substance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, and that's kind of why the gag about it running out on time works on two levels. It's obviously yeah. one, they've just absolutely rinsed Alan throughout the interview by not doing proper translation. And two, it is a bit of a piss take of things like the one show where they'll try and tackle a hefty subject like corruption in African states, but all in the space of two minutes and wrap it up and move <laughs> yeah. on to the next day. Yeah. And yeah, and Alan, Alan is basically, uh, yeah, hard hitting, hard hitting 
question after question after question. As soon as he realises that he's run out of time, he just goes, you sneaky so <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. And then cuts to Jenny. Simon. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it, it, it's so obvious, but I, I love it. Well, newsflash, ain't going to happen. Wait, no, it has happened. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. Well, it's, kind of, it's good that they cut to Simon because you get to see uh, Lynn and Alan's uh, exchange, but kind of want to see Simon tackle a link on his own, don't you? Yeah, true. Did, Would love to see that fall apart. Did you notice the sound of the knees cracking when he jumped off the stage as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I no, kind of no, wish that Alan reacted a bit more to that because the sound is there, but he doesn't really react to it. It's quite cringe-inducing, isn't it? It's very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh Lynn's been quite frank with Alan here, uh, refusing to lie. I'm sure she would have been uh, kinder in <laughs> yeah. days gone by. So he just takes to insulting her clothes. Despite, old, you know, early, about 20 minutes earlier, he's desperately texting her for fashion words. And yeah. now he's making fun of what she wears. Yeah. And he does say to her, the fashion bit went well. Silence. Pardon. <laughs> uh, it's like that, that didn't go well, did it? And it's a bit like you're expecting him to go into that was a negative and I need two positives or something like that. Yeah. It's all in that, mo- yeah. in that mode. I like when she says, I'm just trying to look my best. And he says, what? Just in case the director general of the BBC starts wandering around looking for the presenter of a new show called Jumble Sale. I thought... it. It's good because it's 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 a funny insult, but also the joke's on Alan because the director general is wandering around. Us, you know, like, <laughs> yes, nice bit of foreshadowing. Different reason. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he has to backtrack or tries to backtrack because we find out that Lynn has got the all clear, presumably from a fairly serious uh, disease of some kind. Mm. Um, Alan doesn't know how to turn things around other than to just say Lynn could present a show called Jumble <laughs> Sale. Although crucially, he does stress still only if Gloria Honeyford was unavailable. <laughs> But then I love that Lynn comes back saying it would just be called Jumble with an exclamation mark. Yeah, I think that's better. better. Yeah, she's she's workshopping the format. I like it. I mean, perhaps that can be a poll this week. Which is the better name for the show? Jumble sale or just Jumble with an exclamation mark? I think we've got a better poll for this week, haven't we, though? Oh, yeah, we do. We'll get get to that. that. (laughs) Now, Um, we all love sleeping. (laughs) 
Well, you clearly do because right? you're oh, desperate I... to get off this podcast and get it recorded. Actually, I, 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 I was just I was just saying that by the way. That was okay, a coincidence. That... I, I did have a question to the group uh, for the end of this Lynn section. I mean, I think this is a bit of a reach, but I'll put it to you anyway. Is there a potential reading that this means that Lynn could also be his cleaner? Because he talks about asking your cleaner how her chemotherapy's gone. Ah, ah, that's a good spot. The plot thickens. Personally, I, I'm, just not, not. I'm just not feeling that, but I think... <laughs> Pose the theory, knock it down. Yeah, I, I, think, I just feel like that's, it's just a bit too... I, I can't see Lynn being his cleaner. I, considering he would happily employ Sonia as his ex-girlfriend as a cleaner, I just can't see Lynn in that role, personally. But you can definitely make that connection. I think they'd have said assistant instead of cleaner for that joke. Um, mm. I think it's yeah. I think it's eighty percent eighty percent unlikely, but twenty percent a genius outside theory. Yeah, Nick, you love sleeping, don't you? Well, we all love sleeping, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it turns out that Simon sleeps really well. Um, he reads a book about uh, genealogy in bed, um, which helps send him off to sleep. Because obviously we know that uh, Simon is adopted and he's trying to kind of share more about this story. But no, Alan is not interested. Cuts him right off. An absolute lift from mid-morning matters. Yeah, we've yeah. seen that happen several times before, haven't we? Um, it's probably worth a mention as well that um, Alan loves dozing in a big armchair after driving home from a roaring lunch. So that's Alan admitting to being a drink driver on BBC One there, which we all, yeah. know, which we all know Pete Gabatas was a fan of as well. R.I.P. Pete. So Alan interrupts Simon's uh, touching story about his uh, his adopted past um, to talk about the time that he fell asleep, was it, with an erotic novel on his face? Yep. Yes. Uh, and then the print came off on his face. So he said, I ended up reading the last page into the bathroom mirror, which worked out fine. And I thought, did it now. That, we don't need to know anymore. We don't need to know anymore. Like, um, I like that his, uh, his dramatic reconstruction of waking up. Uh, less morning has broken, more morning has soaken. Just a quick step back. Uh, yeah. the, 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 it cuts to a picture of Denton Abbey. The mysterious face is still in the window. Yes, ah. it is. Uh, also, you did. You, there was a genius bit of um, Simon looking for the right camera just before they go into the meeting oh, yeah, as well. Good. Is it four? Four? He's like scanning around, looking baffled. <laughs> oh, and, and 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 a, a tiny little thing I noticed on like my third watch. Simon like does a little nod between himself and Alan because he's successfully reading the auto key. Basically, it's such a split second thing, but it's so good. Brilliant. Um, we discover from the reconstruction that uh, Alan emits 150 mil of sweat per eve per night. Um, and how he's how do we West. know that though? Oh, because he compares a jar of a regular person's uh, sweat, which is empty, with a jar of his own sweat, which has 150 mil of cloudy-looking liquid in it. A plastic and has, been passed, and has been passed through a mangle. Oh yes, it's been passed through a mangle. <laughs> That's Lynn who's basically had to put his sheets through a mangle and collect all of that sweat, isn't it? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Oh. So he's off to the West Sussex Sleep Clinic. Uh, I like the way that he orders gate at the receptionist <laughs> yes. to open the gate as he the, walks straight through. That's, well, that's, that's exactly what he does in Places of My Life when he goes to the swimming pool. Uh, did anybody catch a rundown of his fellow uh, sleep study people? There's Malcolm who thinks he's the bee's knees when he's not. Uh, <laughs> Janet, who seems to think we want to know all about her. And Paul, stripey Paul, sad because he's got a dead dog. So uh, Alan says he's got to make his excuses before someone gets to <laughs> Love that. <laughs> just just a, a couple of notes I had at the beginning piece of the VT. 
obviously the dressing gown is far too short and there's too much leg on display, which is quite oh, disconcerting. That's horrible. Really um, horrible. And did you did you guys not enjoy the uh, the kind of titles that come up saying for I have the night sweats? The night sweats. It's so it's ridiculous, a bit random, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the way he when he comes into the sleep clinic and he's got his little kind of wheelie case with him, the way he like. He rotates it round to push it forward through the door as well. Just weird little things like that I enjoyed. That's just great gate technique, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, back in the studio, they're joined by Dr. Susan Lyle, who's played by Katie Wicks, who I recognised as Carol in Staff Let's Flats, another member of the Staff Let's Flats cast. Ah, yes. Uh, she also was Girl in Nightclub in the David Bowie episode of Extras. Ah, there we go. Not Girl in She's Nightclub. Yeah, girl in nightclub. You've got the part. Who are you? Girl in nightclub. I'll take it. I really hope that somewhere someone started a website that is just gathering up the most embarrassing acting credits. I'm not saying that is one, but you know, like the guy who had one role in 1988 as Man Who Shits Himself and things like that. There's got to be a a collection of those somewhere online. What, like IMDb? uh, yes, but just <laughs> just the embarrassing, just the bad ones, <laughs> just the people who played like like leper leper three and never acted again. Uh, Before we get uh, fully into the chat with um, Susan, I, I just did make a note. There was a bit of dialogue at the end of the VT which I didn't catch first time round when uh, they've got him wired up, and he says more cables and lights than my assistant's modem which I thought was just quite fun, <laughs> that Lynn isn't fully up to speed with her Wi-Fi technology. And I did also God just think, I'd have quite liked to have seen more v, more of the VT of Alan having to get on with the other patients in the sleep clinic. I think that could have been quite fun. Yep, just a grumpy Alan forced into a sort of weird waiting room. Yeah, But instead, yeah. Um, but instead we've got about 20 to 25 seconds of Alan scratching his bum. Uh, <laughs> yep. I was in pieces when I saw this. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Also, Same, I loved not, it. Yeah, I, I, not only is um, a man scratching his anus funny, but if you look at the if you look at the timestamps, he's scratching his anus for a full twenty minutes. <laughs> I, think I, think just, I think I've just figured something out. Nick only likes the VTs that have some kind of anal feature. <laughs> Yeah, but it's this the... bit and the child getting smacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- those are the bits uh, he's enjoyed the most out of the whole fucking series. Particularly when uh, when Simon just goes busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Alan, it cuts to Alan's face, and he's he's absolutely mortified. Just like I- I- I'll just I'll just spool on, but don't worry, he's still scratching his anus. Twenty minutes later, <laughs> it gets even worse when when Doctor Susan says uh, it's a hallmark of stress and anxiety. At that point, mm, you yeah. See his stress and anxiety go up a notch. Uh, she reveals that he also has night terrors. Uh, I like this bit because it's in it. <laughs> well, he has, he has no of, idea that he suffers of, from them. Reminds him of an altercation in a tent with what I can only describe as a very big bee. <laughs> That's like concerned voice, Alan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Very, Simon's got um... some inexplicable facial expressions. I can't tell if he's horrified at how this is unfolding or he's delighted at the intel. Oh, he's Alan loving it. Emerging. He's loving it. <laughs> I, I, I particularly, again, love the bit where Alan um, said that uh, he might have, um, you know, the stress because he'd abseiled down the side of the shard. But then he remembered, oh no, no, that that might be that might be a dream. He's still not sure at this point. It's only confirmed when he remembers he was raising money for the RSPCA. Yeah, yes. it's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. Amazing. Now, this next bit is is decidedly odd, and I think I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really liked turns, it. 
when he turns the tables on Dr. Susan, uh, who basically he basically just makes her out to be a bit of a creep. Well, sort it, of, it, it? Well, yeah, he it doesn't make her out. She does no, that herself. It, it suddenly goes very dark as she says she could harm the patients, but chooses not to. She's protecting them from the darker side of human nature. <laughs> Oh, and then he's just kind of dismissive. She's like, I could go further into it. He's like, nah. nah. <laughs> they get rid of her early, the way, don't they? I love the way he decides that they're, they're going to basically get rid of her. So he shuts that laptop and hands it over. It's like a yep. really nice She's not even allowed to stay for the phone-in. Yeah. Although, to be fair, the phone-in is what do you dream about? So it's hard to know what she would have con- contributed. She's not a dream analyst. but uh, <laughs> Good <yeah>. point. <laughs> Better to have her walk right into the shot as she leaves with her laptop in hand. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom, was Alan's uh, fa- when Alan comes up close to the sleep camera and they have that on the screen in the background and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about him anymore." Is that was that one of your favourite moments? Because absolutely, you, yeah, I love yeah, that. I, so. I love that he just gets closer and closer to the screen. It looks like a zombie. It's like so from Twenty Eight Days Later, isn't it? Mrs. Tom was absolutely in pieces at that bit as well. She loved it. <laughs> I'm sure she'll love being called Mrs. Tom as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Tom. Hashtag me too. <laughs> Lovely Mrs. Tom. No to subjugation. No to exploitation. Wait. <laughs> oh, I'm so oh, sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Tom. Mrs. Tom. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, at this point, it kind of devolves or evolves or revolves uh, into uh, a mid-morning matters segment, yes, isn't it? Basically, 100%. They're, they're effectively taking a phone in. Suddenly, Simon is a bit more back on, on comfortable ground as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought the people who texted or called in um, to talk about their, what they dream about, all those dreams were genuinely quite disturbing. Grant from Dunstable's text about trying to land on the moon and missing it. I found that genuinely frightening as a concept. Uh, in the and then, after that, like Neil Armstrong says something like, "What did you do that <laughs> for?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pass Aldrin uh, after oh, staring I'm at it for ages. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Rod calls in uh, oh. all sorts of rods. Not, you know, <laughs> you're not black. Lightning are you, Rod, Rod? Black Rod. Yeah, I am. Yes. Um, and I guessed at this point that um, Rod sounded like he was voiced by Joel Fry from Plebs, which turned out to be the case. Uh, it is it is the voice of Joel Fry. Um, his dream about dog dynamos is also quite harrowing, I thought, if a bit weird. So at the beginning of that, I was like, oh, this is great, because he's saying you have a dynamo on a tail of a dog as they wag. And I was like, OK, brilliant idea. I'm on board. This sounds like fun. But then they're trapped in an industrial-sized <laughs> wag farm and they get depressed. I was like, oh, oh it's so nice anymore. And next up we have, and this is one of the bits where I kind of like think Simon's kind of, like you said, on, on safer ground when he's like, Helen in Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's owning it now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so this is the voice of Morwenna Banks uh, playing Helen from Derbyshire. Right. Although it's got a, it's got a twang of um, Sarah Millican. Yes, but definitely. Yeah. Prob- yeah. Probably yeah. just the accent, but I did think it was Sarah Millican at, uh, at first listen. So Helen's stuck on a ledge, it's dark and she can't see, and Alan thinks that's the scenario of her dream. Which is great. He's like, I, yes, this is good. Not, not to plug, uh, plug, not to pick holes in this, but you'd immediately hang up and phone the emergency services once you'd realised you were speaking to Alan Partridge on this time, wouldn't you? She can't see. She's just called the most recent number. You well, did yeah, watch but, the episode, right? <laughs> yeah, but the phone has an illuminated screen and you, you, you just hit 999. Yeah. She, she, she can't read the numbers. I think that's the, yeah. that's the conceit. She's, uh, she's How do you just... not read the numbers if the phone's illuminated? And she can read that the, she can she's tell. She's lost the her glasses. They've slipped <laughs> off her face. She can't read the screen. 
Okay, then you'd say, hey, Siri, dial 999. <laughs> Mate, she's, she's on an Android. Android. She's on an Android. I've got your kids, Nick. Ah, I've got your shit. kids. Okay. Literally, Siri was just calling the emergency services there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look at that. Well, no, we oh can't see God. because your face is... Ex- oh. And also, great for a podcast. Look at that. Uh, can we do a quick live test, Nick? Can you say, Siri, play the Monkey Tennis podcast and see what happens? Nick, are you the crank caller? <laughs> I genuinely was like, what is that noise? Oh shit, it's my phone calling the emergency services. It does a it does a countdown. It goes three, two, I've stopped it on two, but don't say I'm not gonna say it again because it again. Siri will hear. No. Sounds like sounds like Helen in Derbyshire didn't need Bear Grylls or uh, or Ray Mir. She needed Nick Older in the room. He's called, he's he's called for help by accident. Nick, can you get Siri to play the podcast? Hey Siri, play Monkey Tennis podcast. Okay, Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast coming Yay. up. We find our hero in desperate need of. Okay, oh, I did get rid of that. Of course, it's an ad. Right, where were we? <laughs> yeah, right. We've got absolutely down the rabbit hole. In the last two minutes, we've not discussed this episode at all, but we have played our own podcast and Nick's called 999 <laughs> send, send help. I need bed. <laughs> but yeah, so she, uh, Helen has uh, called the last number um, that was on her phone because she obviously rang, she says she rang in last week and they were talking about a segment on how often you should wash your towels, yeah. which they both agree was a great segment. Now, I believe in a previous episode, we have discussed this on... Uh, how to wash your towels and nick's technique i have adopted i would like to say that i have taken your advice nick which is basically wash it with a flap of bounce and no fabric softener because it creates a waxy build-up a a waxy build-up and that will just uh, mean that water will run off and your towels will not become absorbent so people who have listened to that episode will remember that uh, i had some money from my wedding from my grandma (laughs) to buy a new set of towels which i did wedding money coming through it's and and i have not washed them with any fabric detergent uh, fabric softener sorry and they are as soft as they were uh, as when they were bought god just think all those episodes ago our listeners would have never expected a payoff and an update to that that's brilliant exactly all part of a matrimony dividend um (laughs) so i mean that 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 also sorry that also shows that uh, alan is rerunning topics that he had as a phone in on mid-morning matters now he's on bbc one so i was going to say question to the group the fact that he's rerunning the phone in segments that we've already seen in mid-morning matters did you like that or did you think that's a bit lazy no i liked Um, it i think because because it's a throwaway gag, a one line thing, I think that's fine. I think if, if they'd actually if the whole phone in had been about towels, mm. then that yeah. would have been lazy. Yeah. I, I agree. I, and I I also would say I think in the APU, it's perfect. He would definitely do that. He wouldn't come up with new topics, he'd just think, What have I already done on the radio? Yeah. And you know, there have been some people who have got in touch with us and said that they have been repeating gags and repeating segments. I don't personally have a bit of an issue. Uh, I don't have an issue with it because... You don't have a bit of an issue with I it. I don't have a bit of an issue. <laughs> ultimately, they're funny. So there we go. Um, I love that Simon can't get out of comedy mode. Yes. Anything that sounds like a famous person's name, Boy George, Kate Moss, all of these things, he, he yeah. just that's his first go-to. Um, so, uh, yeah, Alan's advice is to look around, eat the moss. Eat the moss. He's like... <laughs> She's like, I'm all right for moss. He says, I'm pretty sure. Can a woman eat moss? Specifically a woman. Yeah. So presumably he thinks that the consumption of moss is sex specific, which is important. <laughs> did, um, did, did anyone research if you can eat moss? No. Well, fortunately for you, 
I have. I found a blog called You've Eating... been living off moss for a week. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm still alive. Uh, no, I found a blog called Eating Wild, and it said, Most of us believe that moss and lichen are not edible. However, lichen make up a substantial part of the diet in the Arctic, and al- almost every moss and lichen is edible. That does not imply they are palatable or nutritious, but ca- most can indeed be eaten. When desperate, eat. I would say, with caution. Hmm. Yeah, that does not constitute medical advice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Alan tries to call a couple of showbiz pals. Bear Grylls is too busy. Ray Mears, also not interested. I wondered, do you think it was a consideration at some point to have either of them on the show for real? No, I think, that, I think that would ruin it, wouldn't it? I, yeah. I love the fact he's like, okay, ciao, not interested. I think that's the perfect way to do it. I also enjoyed, come on, Ray, pick up your big bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Psychic Simon's amazement that Alan has these genuine numbers in his phone as well. He can't believe. Yeah, do they, do they have Alan's number though? I think is uh, or... the point I was going to make. Yeah, he's just stolen them from like, yeah. some BBC database or something. Mm. Yeah, it's like, hello, who's this? It's Alan Partridge. Oh, yeah, can't talk now. Got to go. Bye. Yeah, yeah, he's not interested. Yeah. So, crucially, two men there that probably are willing to drink their own urine, but not willing to have a conversation for more than 10 seconds with Alan Partridge. <laughs> So then uh, Alan asks himself, uh, what makes you smile? Um, uh, Helen says, I didn't ask you that, but he's off answering anyway. It's a butcher's <laughs> wife, Gaviscon, and zooming up the bus lane because people don't realise it's open at 7pm and at weekends. So, question to the group, what makes you smile? Fat babies. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to go for a wag farm, a functioning <laughs> wag farm. Will it have to be like a boutique-sized wag farm? Because if it was industrial, uh, the dogs would get industrial, depressed. industrial, as long as... As long as there are standards, I'm happy for it to be on an industrial uh, So you scale. want dogs to be industrially farmed, and that makes uh, you smile. Wags to, <laughs> wags to be industrially farmed. Wags for all, but uh, standards must be high. There cannot be smacks. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> always, always punish with affection. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go dog-themed as well. Uh, I'll go for a dog trying to and failing to catch a ball in its mouth. Never not funny. Great answer. Great <laughs> answer. Uh, I'll probably go for an ice pup tearing someone's face off. (laughs) Ice pups? No, stab. More ice pups, chance. Uh, I would probably go for uh, balloons filled with helium tied to a puppy as it's trotting along. (laughs) Great. Which is a video video I saw online today and it made me smile. Incredible. Uh, Should we run through what Alan's callers uh, suggest? Yes, please. Maggie yes. Macclesfield says, "Fat babies." Fat babies. Yep. Uh, Jeff says, "When they make chimps smoke." When chimps smoke. Thanks for being honest, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff in Essex. Old people holding hands. Right. You dirty and get. On li- and on, yep. You dirty get. And on line six. Alan, you Alan, cock. Alan, you cock. Alan, you cock there. Yeah, so I good. absolutely love the way he just brushes that off, and it yep. makes it like the name is Alan. You cock. That is absolutely fantastic. That's yeah. also uh, related to when he suspects that Carol's having an affair in iPartridge uh, because she. I think he gets a text that says, Jim, great sex, and he imagines <laughs> that it might be the man's name, that his surname is great. It's Jim, Jim great, great sex. sex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to check. Uh, I'm just going to check if there's an Alan Ucock on Facebook. Bear with. <laughs> Lovely. Um, yes, this is wonderful, isn't it? Because they're basically back into the repartee that we love from Mid Morning Matters. Um, Whilst I love that, I did think that perhaps it's a bit of an underwhelming climax for this show, that basically the pinnacle of this show is that it's a bit like his old show. 
Oh, you know, I, I don't disagree with that at all, but I did love this segment, the fact it does go back into that mid-morning matters world and just details like whenever he has a phone in, at least one person calls in to call him a cock. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's always funny. That there's basically a bank of people that hate him around yes. the country just waiting for the next opportunity to yeah. get put through. Um, and, and I mean, it tells you a lot about, um, about the rigour with which these calls are going through. Helen said she shouldn't have been put through. Uh, <laughs> Alan, uh, Alan Newcock on line six should never have been put through. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty cavalier approach to who they put on primetime TV. I like the way he kind of wraps this up as well, just saying, help will be with you within an hour. He's just decided yep. that's what's going to happen. He also I haven't f- told you where you where I am. <laughs> she immediately gets cut off. Yeah, <laughs> she's gone. And then he caps it off. Bear Grylls has just texted to say a woman cannot eat moss. So even the advice he did give her was nonsense. Um, Good night. Yeah. The thing I did like the thing I liked in the run up to this though is where he basically forces her to tell him what makes her smile, and she eventually admits cake. And he says, "I'm going to make you eat the biggest cake ever." Now. It's not that he's going to buy her the biggest cake. It's not that he's going to make her the biggest cake. He's going to make her eat the biggest cake anyone's ever had. Yeah. So good. Um, I think this is the first episode where the uh, the show in the APU ends before the real one does, doesn't it? Yes. Because they say, they say, and that's all for tonight, you know, good night. And I thought, shit, we're only at like, you know, 26 minutes or something. There's like two minutes left or something in the, in the real real world, isn't there, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so they congratulate themselves on a job well done. Team Partridge, and then uh, Simon says, and Denton, and then uh, Alan is no. <laughs> Denton comes un- under the Team Partridge umbrella group. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't. It's part. You're part, you're part of Team Partridge. You don't need your name. And I, did you spot as well that Alan says, "I feel like Jason Bourne from the Bourne Contingency." Yes. What I does that even if Alan mean? Was, if Alan was grasping for a Bourne film, of course the word he'd find would be contingency. Contin- yeah. Would I not mean, watch the Bourne Contingency. Also, I suppose he is the contingency for John Baskell, isn't he? So uh, that's a nice, neat wrap-up to yeah, it. Yeah, do, it does It does actually make sense, I guess. But, yeah, I, yeah. I did find oh, it, it funny. It, it makes sense in that it's a good word. It doesn't make sense in that it's not a Bourne yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he's off for a crisis meeting with Jenny, the producer, and the director general. And I thought it was very neat that he ends the series as he begins, desperately asking for a glass of water. Yes, I also yeah, enjoyed nice him touch. asking, did he look angry? I don't know. Got it. And then you could start, <laughs> you could start to hear the nervous cracks in Alan's voice. Um, one thing in the credits that I thought was cool was um, much like um, the callers to mid-morning matters, you had a sort of a minor who's who of comedy talent ringing in. So Joel Fry, who we know from Plebs, uh, was in there. Morwenna Banks. Rob Gibbons, who obviously wrote and directed this time, uh, is one of the callers. Jamie Dimitriou, who was our Cockney chef the other week and is in Staff Let's Flats. Uh, and then Dan Skinner, a.k.a. Angelos Epithemu from yeah. Shooting Stars and much many other things. So should we should we now discuss what we made of this as an ending of of the episode uh because i i think you know i i think there's definitely been a lot of chatter on social media about what people thought of it so we should before we get into people's feedback on our next episode what did we think was it a good ending was it too abrupt was it too downbeat i would say given this this is obviously i couldn't predict the ending but i think this is sort of in line with what i expected whereby the series has never really had a huge kind of narrative arc. There's a lot of things that aren't really kind of tied up. Um, So if you think of even like characters like um, uh, Lolly, who 
we've never heard from again and okay we don't know if there's going to be a second series and who knows we may we she may feature again but there's quite a lot of like loose ends that aren't really tied up and i think the point is they're not really even loose ends to tie up it's just it's almost just a collection of things that happen and there's just a very loose thread that mm. runs through it um but i think that became quite apparent by kind of episode three or four where actually there wasn't much of this sort of broader story going on it was just almost a collection of set pieces all, all done very well so it's not a criticism but it's sort of the ending i expected whereby it's ambiguous but there's a very loose thread that runs through Do you it. think in a way it's almost a bit like we've as a viewer we've kind of within a six week period we've kind of like faded in and then faded out of alan's life like a voyeur you know it's kind of you dropped into that glass of water piece off camera and that's also how you leave the series as well um and i actually i actually think i was initially hoping for some kind of big dramatic moment but the more i think about it the more i think it's good that they didn't end it in a death or something similarly dramatic because ending it this way it's still conceivable that alan could continue working with the bbc but they just might knock him down a peg or two whereas if he'd if he'd shot another man through the heart or something there's no way you could i think you could force the conceit that the bbc would continue to employ him and we know there is more partridge coming on the bbc in some form later as well um yeah i think it's i think it's a strong ending um I've mentioned on the pod before that I really do like a strong uh, narrative thread in comedy like this. So I would have liked to have seen uh, the Ruth thing come to some sort of conclusion. I think it's really nice to see Alan and Simon's partnership exploited a bit more. But I think we could have had more of an even balance throughout the series of a bit more Simon in episodes one to five, a bit more Jenny in this one, perhaps have her come storm back on set and try and join in and then be kind of ousted again. Um, I've seen a few people on Twitter saying, and I do agree, that Jenny's become such a, a natural part of the series to only have her in the first two minutes of this episode felt almost a bit unnatural. Um, a bit like you ended this, the episode lacking something that you'd been hoping for or expecting. Mm. Um, but I agree, it would have been silly to have someone killed. It would have been silly to have something very slapstick. I would have liked perhaps a little bit more tension, a bit more drama, a bit more of a cliffhanger than this. Yeah, I'd, what you were just saying about some feedback that we've had about Jenny, I would broadly agree with. Um, yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed that she didn't feature more in this episode after the initial um, walk-off, because she's been so good all series. Like she's As someone who's come in as a completely new character, we've learned so much, and I think Susanna, um, her performance has just been incredible throughout the entire thing and I hope she gets lots of award nominations she should do so it seemed a little bit strange to kind of underuse her so much in the final episode um there'd been such a build-up to this confrontation that I think I don't mind not seeing a, a, a resolution to the Ruth um uh sort of relationship but mm. I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't more Jenny in this after the initial walk-off but I guess, I guess once she's walked off, it's very hard to write her back in in a way that would be believable. No, although, I agree. although does that does okay. that actually matter? Because obviously, some of the things that I think people haven't liked about this series is when it has been unbelievable. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there are ways around that. They could have had an altercation that she didn't walk off from at the beginning of the show, and then have yep. another one when a VT's running, and then she walks off maybe ten minutes in, something like that. Yeah, that actually think about it that that might have even worked better because then it, it, it ramps up the panic if she does it halfway through a show. Yeah. But yeah. um but all in all though, I mean, should be kind of is is it summary time, as it were? 
Uh, for this episode, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, all in all, I thought this episode was fantastic. It kind of, it was everything I wanted and hoped for from this time to be. I, th- I think for me, I, th- I think there were kind of like, there were almost like five points as to why it was what I wanted. It's like, Alan's pissed off the pre-existing talent with disastrous consequences. The live show's falling apart around him like it did every time in Knowing Me, Knowing You. Him and Simon are bungling through as a dreadful presenting duo, which brings back the magic of Mid-Morning Matters. It's great to see Simon having his own moments on the sofa and really stepping up. And I think just, you know, with Alan finally taking control of the entire show and the fact it was a catastrophe, that's kind of this was the resolution of everything that I've been hoping it would be in, in all those kind of respects. Absolutely. Um, any other thoughts on this episode? Yeah. Um, I think, I think this is probably my third favorite episode out of, out of the full series. Um, the opening section, obviously we've, we've said how, how great that was and sort of that leads into this, it leads into the fashion section. I think those two sections are a really, really strong start and the tension and the fallout that is created and the sort of frantic tone and uncertainty that then leads into the fashion segment is, is brilliant. And I think, yeah, that opening is, 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 is great. The water corruption section didn't do anything for me really. Um, and yeah, as we've mentioned, the phone, the phone call in ending is a little bit, at odds with the rest of the series in terms of it going to a bit mid morning matters territory. I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was an amazing ending. I thought it was all right. Um, so yeah, I'd say on, on, on balance, probably my third favorite episode of the series. Okay. Um, well, we will obviously be wrapping up your reactions and your feedback, the humble listener, uh, in a, a, a fresh episode that will be going up uh, tomorrow, depending when you listen to this. Um, and it's also worth us mentioning that we'll be doing a kind of series overview uh, mop-up uh, with some extra information, more press reaction, and uh, a more of your feedback coming next week as well. Um, but now it's probably time to take a look at the IMDb scores and the uh, overnight viewing figures. So heading over to IMDb, um, I am shocked that this has got a 7.7 out of 10 rating so far, which is really low because we've seen, I haven't seen an episode that hasn't debuted, so to speak, as in we've looked within the first 24 hours of over, uh, sorry, of less than eight. So I I would expect this to go up, but I'm genuinely shocked. Do you think that that's, um, that's because people have been holding expectations in episode by episode waiting for stuff to happen and this is the first time that they're like oh the thing i wanted isn't happening at all i i absolutely agree i think people are hoping for narrative payoff and they haven't been delivered that and they they're angry as a result (laughs) angry (laughs) now you're furious (laughs) even for a scott um I, i mean i don't know for me i i think i did get the narrative payoff that i was kind of hoping for um so i think maybe when we do a bit of a series wrap up episode we'll perhaps get into actually favourite episodes, worst episodes, but I would say that, that for me there are very clearly a top three episodes and a bottom three episodes, and this would very much be in my favourite three. Would you guys all, all agree with that? I would, yeah. I would, yeah, I, would I think so, yeah. Uh, there's there's yep. three episodes I thought were very strong, uh, and there are three that I thought were not as strong, and this is definitely in the stronger three. Cool. Well, let's, de- let's definitely get into that when we do a series wrap-up. Um, yes, and overnight viewing figures... Sure. So uh, 1.39 million, which is down about 200k on last week, I think. 
Um, but yeah, we don't have the consolidated numbers for uh, for what that's done on catch up. So maybe for the uh, for the series roundup, I can tr- try and pull as much info as I can about consolidated figures so we can see how it's done. Fantastic. Um, it's time to take a look at the final predictor partridge scores. Um, just to remind you where we all were. Stab had two points. Nick had one point five. I had zero point five, and Tom Dark was on zero. I predicted it would be Simon that drops the ball massively and potentially costs Alan the presenting job. This did not occur. Nick predicted that Alan would shed a tear. This did not occur. Uh, Tom Stab predicted there would be pathos or a sad moment at the end for Alan. I would argue that this does occur. Uh, oh, yeah. A hideously generic comment. That's like saying, I'm going to predict something happens. <laughs> That's the aim of the game. There is an interesting discussion to be had probably in another episode because basically who's going to get a bigger bollocking here, Alan or Jenny? Yes, the show was a disaster under Alan's watch, but Jenny did walk off. I think the fact Jenny's already in the meeting and Alan's about to be summoned, I think Alan is, I think it's a disciplinary <laughs> Actually, Yes, you know what? Because I think point. I think she's she's been planning she's been planning this for a while. He's walked into a trap, basically. I think that's that's probably what's happened. You know what, Adam? I'm liking that. I'm liking that a lot. Well, here's something you won't like. You <laughs> predicted that Alan would be responsible for a death. That did not occur, which means that Stab is the series winner you don't know, with three maybe. points, three <laughs> points out of a possible six, a fifty percent success rate, and that genuinely yeah. is the best that any of us can do. Um, so it's almost time for the end of the show. Oh, oh yes, Lynn, I'm glad you're here. Um, so uh, I heard that in the uh, production meeting you were saying that I would smother my own grandmother to be on the front page of iTunes. Is that? Oh, oh, it's not true. Oh, Gavin, can you play that thing? Well, in I think you owe me an apology. Um. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monkey Tennis. We'll be back with a, a, another episode rounding up your feedback. And as we mentioned before, next week, we're going to be wrapping up our thoughts on the series, looking at your feedback on the series as a whole, uh, talking about all kinds of other Alan bits and pieces, what's next for Alan, announcing what's next for us and Monkey Tennis, and also taking a sneak peek at the This Time DVD, which features its fair share of extras as well. So uh, all of that's come next week. Um, you can get in touch with us, and please do. We'd love to know specifically your thoughts about the series as a whole and where you think Alan is going next. On Instagram, it's at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The Partridge Pod at gmail.com, or The Monkey Tennis Hotline 07923 600 and yeah, that's the end of this time series proper. Um, we've got two more episodes left uh, for you. But if you have enjoyed the, uh, this time the series and our episodes that we've been putting out week by week, please do drop us a five-star review. I must stress that, a five-star review uh, on iTunes. Give us yeah, a five-star rating and write a little review if you fancy it. We really would appreciate it, and it really does help get the podcast in front of more people. So please, it'll take two minutes, and we really would appreciate it. Uh, so that's all from us this week thanks so much for listening uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis the Alan Partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye a woman cannot eat moss Good night. aha damn back of the net Monkey Tennis in no way you big spastic you're a mentalist damn sorry that was just a noise Monkey Tennis I got uh, really drunk last night Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism. More distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're attacking. Basically, 
Beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.